Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Allen at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household are doing well. We are talking about the blood covenant, and uh, I would like to continue from where we left off yesterday. And actually, I'd like to repeat the last thing that I said to you yesterday because I hadn't really finished a thought. And this is very important for you to understand, especially the third part. And there are three things, three major foundations for understanding the covenants and the Old Testament laws. There's three, it's very important that we understand that. And the first thing is that the Old Covenant is obsolete and the New Covenant has been established. And I say this because this is what the Bible says, that the Old Covenant is obsolete and uh, the New Covenant has been established. That's the first thing. Of course, the Old Covenant is obsolete because the New Testament says so. But, you know, there are Jewish people who don't believe in the New Testament and who believe, who still are waiting for the Messiah and they don't realize the Messiah has already come, that he is Jesus Christ. And they will talk about the Old Covenant and they don't believe that the Old Covenant is established because they don't believe that, I mean, that the Old, they, I'm sorry, they don't believe that the Old Covenant is obsolete because they don't believe in the new covenant, they don't believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And so the only solution to that is that we must share the gospel with them so they also receive the light of Christ in their lives. But anyway, this is the teaching of the new covenant uh, the, in, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, that the old covenant is obsolete and the new covenant has been established. The second thing is that followers of Christ are not obligated to keep the law of Moses in order to be accepted by God. We are accepted by God by faith, through faith, in the shed blood of Jesus Christ alone. The third thing, this is very important. When Paul discussed the law, you know, when he, he refers to the law, you know, he says the law, most often he means the entirety of the law of Moses and he wrote again and again that we as Christians as followers of Jesus we are not under the authority of the law but our obligation to obey God is defined by a different law and not the law of Moses and that is a spiritual law which we call the royal law of love and that is uh, you know you shall love the Lord with all your heart all your soul all your might and you shall love uh, your neighbor is yourself and Jesus said in this is fulfilled the law and the prophet so that is the law we are called to obey in order to obey God and to follow Jesus but we are not under obligation to follow the law of Moses but this is the part we must understand because some people they say that because um, we are no longer under the law so they kind of reject the Old Testament laws. Listen, the Old Testament law, the law of Moses is still of God. But the only thing is that it is no longer our means of salvation as it used to be before Jesus died upon the cross. It is still of God. The law is still of God, but we are not obligated to it in that sense. Now, but I, I don't want to go much into that. That's a different subject altogether. But I want you to understand that we are no longer obligated to the law of Moses, but we are under a new law, which is the royal law of love, which is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the thing to understand is that 
this royal law of love, the new law that we are under, and the law of Moses overlap at, at certain points. At certain places, they say the same thing. And by that, let me give an example. For example, in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, it talks about the works of the flesh. You know, it talks about the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5, then it talks about the works of the flesh. And then it says, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, uh, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, and envyings, and murders, and drunkenness, and revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So now, this, in the royal law of love, these are the things that are sin in the eyes of God, okay? But these things which, which Galatians calls the works of the flesh overlap because they are with the law of Moses because these things are also sinful under the law of Moses. So adultery, fornication, uh, uh, you know, idolatry and murder, killing, all these things are, are, are sin under the law of Moses. But they're also sin under the royal law of love. So when I say overlap, there are certain points, certain things where the law of Moses and the royal law of love are not separate, but they actually overlap. They say the same thing. So it is important to see, say that because there are certain things that are wrong um, under the royal law of love, uh, you know, because... If you love God with all your heart, you love your neighbor as yourself, you will not commit adultery, you will not commit fornication, you will not commit murder. But these things are also sinful under the law of Moses. So we have to remember that. So at points, the royal law of love and the law of Moses overlap. Now, in other places is that the royal law of love supersedes the law of Moses. In fact, it is at a higher level than the law of Moses. And let me explain to you what I mean. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 28 to, to uh, 27 to 28, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said of them in, of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, committeth adultery with her already in his heart. So, Jesus was saying, Moses said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you that it's not the act of adultery itself, which is sin, but its sin begins long before that. Because if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, then you have committed adultery in your heart already. So in that way, the royal law of love goes at a higher level than the law of Moses and you know and and it it supersedes the law of Moses anyway so these are things I wanted you to understand because people say oh we are under grace so there's no constraints on us there's nothing wrong we can do anything we like that my friend is not true that that is a lie from the devil in fact I would say such kind of thinking is a heresy okay just because we are under grace doesn't mean that there's no constraints. And because then that is not grace, that is called antinomianism. Antinomianism is lawlessness. And, and being free from the law of Moses doesn't mean we are into lawlessness, but we are under the royal law of love, okay, which has its own constraints. And anyway, but uh, let's go on. 
And now, now I'm going to give you reasons, and there's many of them, I'm going to go through all of them, reasons why the new covenant is far greater than the old covenant. Reasons why the new covenant is far greater than the new covenant. The first reason is this. <coughs> the old covenant came by Abraham and the law came through Moses while the new covenant came by Jesus Christ. That's the first reason why the new covenant is far greater than the old covenant. The old covenant came by Abraham and the law came through Moses following the old covenant while the new covenant came by Jesus Christ. John 8, 56 to 58. It says, these are the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and he was glad. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art not yet 50 years old and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And that I am, <coughs> he spoke the name of God. He says, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And you know, they got very angry and they wanted to kill him after that. So the, one, one, the first reason why the, the new covenant is greater than the old covenant is because Jesus Christ was greater than Abraham and Jesus Christ was greater than Moses. And Abraham saw the day of Jesus in a vision and he rejoiced. And when they said, how can you say that? You're not even 50 years old. How can you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. I am the one who has already been there. Jesus was the one who created Abraham. He created Moses. So that's the first reason why the covenant of Jesus Christ is greater than the old covenant. And also John 1.17, it says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Amen. The second reason why the new covenant is far greater than the old covenant, it is because, I'm sorry, <clears throat> the old covenant leads to death. It kills while the new covenant gives life. The old covenant kills and gives death while the new covenant gives life. That's the second reason why the new covenant is greater than the old covenant. Second Corinthians 3, 6, it says, But God has made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So God, you and me, God has made us sufficient or he has made us able as ministers, servants of the new covenant. We are not servants of the old covenant, but we are servants of the new covenant. But we are not ministers of the letter of the law that says thou shalt not, thou shalt not, that speaks death and condemnation that kills. Because it's for the letter kills. Because you see the letter of the law, it condemns people. It condemns people unto death. But we are ministers of the spirit because the spirit gives life. So the old 
the new covenant is far greater than the old covenant. The second reason is because the new covenant gives life. It has to do with the spirit of God. It's the spirit that gives life while the old covenant is the letter of the law that kills. Now, uh, the third reason why the new covenant is far greater than the old covenant, it is because the old covenant was ended by Jesus Christ while the new covenant was established by Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ ended the old covenant and he established the new covenant. Romans 10 verse 4, it says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. That means that when we <coughs> put our faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the end of the law for us. I mean the law unto righteousness. That means that before Jesus, we sought our righteousness by trying to please God, by fulfilling his commandments. But when we came to Jesus, we are, we are made righteous through the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ once for all. And because of that, we are no longer striving to be accepted by God according to the law of Moses. So with Jesus Christ, our relationship with the law as our means of salvation ends. It ends. So Christ is the end of the law for everyone who believes. And Hebrews 8 verse 6 says, But now has he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. So Christ is the end of the law, but he's the beginning of something much more excellent. It says that he is the mediator, he's the guarantor, he's the, uh, <coughs> he's the mediator, he's the guarantor, or as another scripture says, he's the surety of a better covenant, which is established upon better uh, promises. So the Bible itself says that the new covenant is a better covenant, which is established upon better promises. Hallelujah. Now, the fourth reason why the new covenant is far greater than the old covenant is this, because the old covenant enslaves. The old covenant makes us slaves, while the new covenant makes man free and gives him total freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So Galatians, because what was happening, you know, to the church in Galatia, you had these Judaizers and the Judaizers were telling the church that, listen, you have been set free through faith in Jesus. That is great. But in order to continue to walk with God and to please God, you have to submit yourself to the law of Moses. And that is what Paul was telling them. He says, no, he said, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free. Jesus Christ has set you free and you're in liberty. Stand in that liberty and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The yoke of bondage was the law of Moses. What he was saying that Jesus Christ has set you free and the 
law of Moses, the yoke of bondage. So don't leave the liberty and the freedom you have in Christ in order to go back to Moses and back into uh, into bondage. And there are people who are doing that today. There's so-called Christian movements who have drifted away from the freedom we have in Christ and they have gone into bondage of the law. Bondage of the law and finding their approval by God within by keeping the law of Moses. And that's what Paul is warning about. Okay? And then in John 8 verses 32 and 36, he says, And you should, these are the words of the Lord Jesus himself, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So Jesus said that you are going to know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And in fact, Jesus was talking to the Jews who believed in him, and he says, that if you follow me, you shall truly be my disciples. That's what Jesus was actually saying, the full context of the scripture. He, and he was talking to Jews who had followed him. He said, listen, if you follow me, if you continue to follow me, you shall be my disciples indeed. Then when you are my disciples, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Hallelujah. So the old covenant enslaves people into bondage while the new covenants makes them free, gives them liberty. The fifth reason why the new covenant is far greater than the old covenant is that the old covenant leaves men unchanged while the new covenant leaves men changed. The old covenant did not change people, but the new covenant changes people. Hebrews 7, 19, it says, for the law, the law of Moses, <coughs> I'm sorry, for the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did by which we draw nigh unto Christ. So it says that the law didn't change anyone. It didn't, perfect here means mature. The law never changed anything. It never brought people into maturity. He says, but the bringing of a better hope did, and that better hope is the hope of Christ. That did it. And it's through that hope, which is in Christ, that we draw near to God. And Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So uh, the old covenant did not change anyone. It says, for the law never made anyone perfect. It didn't make anything perfect. And the word perfect, as I said, means mature. It didn't change anyone. The law of Moses did not change anyone. It may change the outward behavior of some people to a certain extent because they try to please God by keeping the law, but there's no <coughs> real change in the heart. That only comes to the new birth that is in Jesus. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. All things have become new. And that is the fifth reason, the fifth reason why the new covenant is far superior to the old covenant. Because the old covenant leaves man unchanged. But the new covenant changes man, changes the heart of man. The sixth reason why the new covenant is far greater than the old covenant 
is that the old covenant exposes sin while the new covenant takes away sin. The old covenant exposes sin. It brings out sin. And when it brings out sin, bam, here comes the judgment after that. But the new covenant takes away the sin of man. That's a huge difference because in Galatians 3.19, it says, what purpose then then does the law serve? These are the words of the Apostle Paul. He said, what purpose then does the law serve? He said, because it was added because of transgression. It said, what does the law do? Well, the law was added because of the sins of man till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. He says, the law, you know, because men were sinful, he says, that was the, that's why the law was added, was brought because of the sinful nature of man. Because what the law did was to bring to the surface the sinful nature of man. It shows man how sinful, how miserable, how rotten he actually was. But what about Jesus? So the law, the old covenant, it exposes sin. It brings the sin and the rottenness of man to the, to the surface. And... Uh, and it says, it does so until the seed to whom the promise was made should come. That means it was, it lifted the sins of man up, brought it to the surface until Jesus came to deal with it. And John 1.29 tells us about Jesus. The next day, John, that is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. So the old covenant exposes sins, brings it to the open, while the new covenant takes away sin. So John, uh, John the Baptist saw Jesus and he said to the people, look, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. So Jesus did not come to condemn sinners, but he came that they may be saved. In John 3, 16, 17, for God so loved the world. This is Jesus speaking about himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Then he says, for God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So God did not send Jesus to condemn the world but he came so that the world should be saved. So the old covenant brings out man's sins, bring it to the open, while the new covenant, Jesus Christ, he came to take away the sins of the world upon his own self and set people free, hallelujah. And so the son of man did not come to the world, God did not send his son to the world to judge the world, but to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Hallelujah. The seventh reason why, why the new covenant is far superior to the old covenant. The old covenant cannot give life while the new covenant gives life. The old covenant is unable to give life while the new covenant gives life. And that first, I want to show you two scriptures. Second Corinthians 3, 7 says, But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. And from the next verse, verse, verse 8 to 18, it says, 
how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For it was that, for if that which was done away is glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. For their minds were blinded and until this day remaineth the veil untaken in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is taken away in Christ. And even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord uh, is, there is liberty. But we all with open, open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory, from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So what he is talking that the Old Testament doesn't give life, but the New Testament gives life. And what he's saying is this. This is what Paul is saying. Listen to this carefully. He says that the ministry of death, he's talking about when Moses came down from the mountain carrying the Ten Commandments, the commandments etched in stone by the hand of God. He says that is the ministry of death because those Ten Commandments accuse you. And every time you read the Ten Commandments, you realize what a sinner you are. He says, for the ministry of death, he calls the Ten Commandments, the Word of God, the ministry of death, because it ministers death. He says, if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious. He says, it was the ministry of death, but it was so full of glory that the people of Israel couldn't look at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face. But that glory was a fading glory. So Moses came down with the glory of God, but that was glory that was fading. He says, if the glory, the ministration of death was so glorious, how shall not the ministry of life, the ministry of the Holy Ghost be even more glorious? You see, he's comparing the old to the new. He says, if the ministry of death engraved on stones was glorious, that which was given death was glorious, how much more shall not the, the ministry of, of the Spirit be even more glorious? He says, for the ministry of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. So he says, if the ministry of that old covenant, those commandments written in stone, if that was glorious, how much more is the ministry of ministration of righteousness, God who imparts free righteousness to, to man. And then it says, verse 10, for even that which was made glorious had no respect has no glory in this respect by reason of the glory they excel it. He says that the ministration of righteousness, the new covenant, the glory of Jesus is so much glorious than the glory that was on the face of Moses, that the glory on the face of Moses doesn't appear to be glorious at all in comparison. And then he says, for if that which is done away with glorious was glorious, how much more shall that which remaineth is glorious? He says, if the old covenant that is obsolete and has passed away. If that was glorious, how much more than the new covenant which remains be much more glorious. Then he says, seeing that we have such hope, we have 
great plainness of speech. And we are not like Moses who put a veil over his face when the children of Israel couldn't look at the end of that which is abolished because the children of Israel, their minds were blinded because even to this day, that same veil that Moses put over his face, it still remains in their mind when they read the Old Testament because they don't see Jesus. You see, as I was telling you earlier on, they don't see Jesus. They don't believe in the new covenant because they don't believe in Jesus. So because of that, they're still living, living in the old, in the old covenant. They're living under Moses. So because they have that veil over, over their minds and their minds are blinded because they cannot see Jesus. So even today, when Moses is read, when the word of the Old Testament is read, they listen with hearts that are covered with a veil. The veil is upon them. But when they turn to Jesus, that is the day that the veil shall be taken away from the people of Israel when the people of the old covenant, the people of the word law of Moses, when they turn to Jesus and the Bible tells us that a day will come when, when they shall see Jesus, they shall look at the one who they have pierced and that will be the day the veil shall be lifted from them and then the veil shall be lifted up. They shall come into liberty. He says, when now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord, there is liberty. Hallelujah. There is freedom for the people of Israel. That is when they will come out of the old, which is done away. And they shall come into this glorious new covenant that God has said to Jeremiah. He says, I'm going to make a new covenant with, for, with the people of Israel. So the new covenant, we are in it. We who are Gentiles, but that was primarily for the Jewish people who find themselves outside. But when they will come in, they'll be the culmination of all things. And we'll all be one family, Jews, Gentiles. We will all be one in Christ. And the Bible says, when you're in Christ, there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no Gentile, but we are one in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And says verse 18, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. He says, we without a veil, we with open faces, we look at the glory of the Lord. And he says, as we look at the glory of the Lord, we are changed to the same image from glory to glory. So, you know, people talk about going from glory to glory. You know how you go from glory to glory? By ministering to the Lord, by lifting up your face to God. And as you look at him and you gaze into his glory and you worship him, hallelujah, something wonderful happens. Uh, we are transformed from being like us. Uh, we become less like ourselves and we become more like that face. We see the wonderful face of Jesus. And that is the most glorious thing of all. And that is the work that God wants to do in all of our lives. Praise God. Anyway, we will continue more tomorrow, but let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who have listened to this word. I ask you to touch their lives and bless them and touch them and heal them. Use them mightily for your glory. Let your blessing, your power, your anointing be upon them. May them know you in a way that they have never known you before, and they may walk in your pathways. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you. God's people. I will be talking to you tomorrow. Bless you and your families.